So, okay. So we're just going to kick things off here. All right. So today is July 1st, which means that Microsoft's year end is now over and July is behind us, which is kind of nuts. So, or July, June is now behind us. Man, I am struggling today, mostly probably because I was up uh, late last night and I was traveling and I set a new record personal self-record, flying home from New York, um, the, the traffic was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. I got to LaGuardia Airport at 4.30. My flight took off at 4.45. Uh, thankfully, because of TSA pre-check, I was able to run. I literally sprinted through LaGuardia, was the last person on the flight, and then they shut the door and I left. Um, yeah, so whatever. But yeah, recovering from New York, uh, the reason why I was in New York, um, had some tracker business, but uh, we had a lot of Threat Premium meetings now that we kind of see how things are going, which they're going well, we're happy with the response so far and all the feedback we've gotten. And so we're, we're fleshing out the features, we're, we're setting timelines internally and starting to really, you know, put everything together and, and make this, make this uh, a complete package. So everybody who signed up, you know, really appreciate it. Anybody who's on the fence, highly recommend it. Um, a lot of your peers have done it so far. And yeah, things we've launched so far, uh, Throt Daily, for those of you who signed up for the newsletter, that's basically the best of Throt every day uh, between myself and Paul. And yeah, we completely redesigned it. It's much better. It's much more responsive design and it looks, it looks a lot better. It's one of the few areas that we had not touched with the design team, but hey, it's up. It's better. You should go subscribe to it. It's a lot of fun. Goes out every day and yeah, good stuff. There was also a meeting on Wednesday, a meetup, at, obviously at Rattle and Hum. I met actually a lot of listeners of this show, which I highly appreciate, and obviously a lot of fans of the site, and um, you know, Paul and Mary Jo were there. It was a good time, and everybody who stopped by, really appreciate that as well. So, what else is going on? Um, if you're going to Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference, you know, shout out, let me know. I will be there, Paul will be there, uh, Mary Jo will be there as well, we can all hang out. I think we are. there is going to be a, a meetup. Uh, I think Tuesday of that week, I get in on Sunday and I'm out on Wednesday morning, but if you're in town, let me know. I know quite a few people are going to that, at least in the enterprise and kind of partnerish space, so I'll be there for that, and that, I'm actually leaving in nine days, so, you know, we get a little bit over a week for that, and so, yeah, so, Yes, as Team 56 is asking in the chat room, that's uh, Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference. It's where they bring all their big, well, they don't bring, I mean, you can pay to go. It's where all the Microsoft partners go to learn about Microsoft's strategy for the year ahead, uh, the new kind of products and new um, agendas the company is setting. So it's a really good place to go if you want to learn about what Microsoft's internal strategy is that they've been planning for the year ahead. How are they going to improve their sales? How are they going to make their partners better? Uh, that, that's really what it's all about. So it's a great thing to go. It's not where they typically announce like new hardware or anything like that. Actually, I don't think they've ever announced new hardware or anything. But Nadella's on stage. All their executives are there. And so, yeah. So that's that's what we'll learn about the strategy of the company. So it should be a good. It should be a really good event. I'm actually excited to see it. It's in Toronto uh, this year. So I don't know. I've I've been to Toronto before, but it's been a long time. So that should be a lot of fun. Although I won't have cell reception because well, Canada and U.S. So that will be <laughs> be living on the Wi-Fi's. But I think that covers all of just kind of the random stuff. And let's just jump into the news of the week because we got a lot to talk about. This was actually a very busy week. So messaging everywhere is gone. Man, this kind of really makes me angry. So what Microsoft has had was a feature in Windows 10 where if you had, it started with an Android device. We don't know if it was going to go to iOS. We know it worked on Windows Phone as well. You could text, send texts 
from your PC and it would go through your phone and, and kick out uh, across the text message platform, SMS. And so what did Microsoft do? They said, ah, we're going to get rid of that because, yeah. And so what are they doing? Now, we don't know all the details yet, but they said they're going to integrate it into Skype. And anybody who's watched this show or any other podcast that does anything, Skype is a bit of a mess. Now, it has good features and bad features. It's really good, to be honest, generally for video calling and that kind of stuff. But the messaging platform has been struggling lately. Uh, we've seen out-of-order messaging. Um, it, it features you can't turn off, like when they put it in the browser. So what makes me nervous about this is Microsoft is going to put a very... I want to call this a delicate feature because if you screw up SMS messaging, you're more than likely sending out text messages to people, which is really annoying. And so if it starts screwing up the text message platform on my phone um, or my friend's phones because it's doing that, that's going to be that that's going to be really annoying. And so I get really nervous because this is a pretty big feature that it looks like they're going to integrate SMS messaging into Skype, which nobody asked for and into a platform that has a long history of integration problems. And so I'm really nervous about this. And Microsoft, please don't screw this up. Please don't make it worse. You had a good thing going. And I, I guarantee it was some sort of internal fight. It's like, well, why are we building another messaging um, platform or ecosystem or something? And they said, why don't we put it in Skype? And they all went, yay, that's a great idea. And then everybody outside of that room went, no, that's a terrible idea. Why are you doing that? Um, so I don't know. I'm. They're trying to make Skype cool and hip and get people to use it again. They've been touting this 300 million user number for quite a while, and it doesn't seem like it's growing or shrinking for that matter, to be fair. And maybe this is what they're thinking is another way to get people to use that. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not sold on this, but we'll see. I, I'm going to try to be optimistic about it and hope that the Skype team does right. But who knows? They don't, they don't have the track record to prove that this is a good move. But, I don't know, change is fine. I'm, I'm okay with change. I mean, we're going to see a lot of changes with the anniversary update here. <laughs> but I'm really kind of just going on and on about this, because I'm really concerned about it. Because I if it sucks, then I'm going to lose functionality for my machine, and that's going to really be annoying. And if I can't trust, I you can't screw up SMS, because it annoys too many people. So, good luck, Microsoft. Please don't let us down. Please don't let us down. So other things that happened this week is Evernote. So, you know, Evernote, someone's probably thinking, hey, that's not a Microsoft product, but it really, it competes with Microsoft. So Evernote actually announced some news this week that essentially means they're having, they need to make more money or they want to make more money. I don't know much about their financials uh, or their company's, you know, status in the world right now, but they announced this week that Evernote Basic it will now be limited to two devices. And if you're not familiar with Evernote, it's a competitor to OneNote. So Microsoft is OneNote, then there's Evernote. So Evernote announced this week that, hey, if you're a basic account, meaning you're paying nothing, you can only use it on two devices. So a single desktop and a phone, or two desktops, or a tablet and a phone, so only two devices. And if you want to use it on more devices, it's gonna start costing $4 per month, which I will note that throughout premium is less than that if you pay for the annual rate or $35 per year. Uh, it provides offline access to notes on a mobile device and the ability to forward emails into the Evernote notebook and one gig of upload space per month. Which if you're a pretty heavy power note, Evernote user, I was gonna say power note, um, I don't know if that's really gonna be enough. So they offer Evernote Premium at $8 per month or $70 per year. 
And it has everything as basic does and plus does, but you also get office document search, PDF annotation, business card scanning, and 10 gigabytes of monthly upload space and more devices. So, so if you're thinking like, this is the thing, like if you're thinking of going Evernote premium at $70 per month, it makes no sense because you can buy uh, what is office 365 personal. You can find for about the same price, sometimes even less, sometimes it's a little more, but it's a roughly the same price. And not only do you get one note, which has, it's a very comparable product, but then you get the entire office suite with it. You get office and then you get a terabyte of OneDrive storage for the same price. And so this is where I think Microsoft, um, I mean, good for Microsoft. I, I've always said that I think Office 365 is a good value. It's, it's a good value that the company offers. So let's think about this. If the way I think of this is that Microsoft can offer Office, Office 365 personal for $70 a month because they can hit volume. And so it's really hard to compete with. It's almost like, um, it's like Netflix. I mean, really, Netflix is 10 bucks a month. Netflix is a hell of a value. It can do it because it has volume and traction. And so it actually makes it really hard to compete for new companies to come up and get started. So I don't know. If you're thinking about Evernote Premium, I mean, Evernote Plus, which at 35 bucks for the year, maybe. I mean, again, you could pay twice that and get a whole lot more. Uh, with Office 365, but if you're really tied into the Evernote world, although Microsoft does have a tool that allows you to export everything from Evernote to OneDrive, or OneDrive, OneNote. So, I don't know. It's, I, I mean, I wish Evernote the best. It's not that I want ever want a company to go out of business, right? Evernote being a competitor to OneNote is the best thing we can have for OneNote because it makes Microsoft actually push further with OneNote so that they don't fall behind their competitors. So, I hope Evernote does well, but the value proposition there at $70 per year is a little bit dicey. So just keep that in mind. And now I kind of want to get into the juicy stuff. Oh boy. So if you are a Microsoft employee, I have a task for you. Um, there is an application called Blind. And I believe it's, I know it's on iOS. And I know it should also be on Android, I would imagine, as well. The app is called Blind. And what it is, it's an anonymous social network for corporations. And what you can do is you can use your Microsoft account and log in and see the Microsoft bulletin board. Now, I haven't been able to log in, obviously, uh, because I can't, I'm not, I don't have an app Microsoft.com email address unless somebody is willing to share their credentials, but I have seen what's posted in the app. And so it's really interesting. This is like the, it's like the sounding board for the company. I mean, people are anonymous and so they kind of say whatever they want and Here's kind of what the theme of everything in the app was. Everybody seems to, and, and before I say this, <laughs> um, and you're going to see where I'm going, I like Terry Meyerson. He's, he's been a good person to me. Um, you know, he's very friendly, always chats, and always is very straightforward. I know Paul likes Terry very much, and um, so there's that. But apparently, a lot of people inside the company do not like Terry. And if you open up the app and kind of search around, you will find that he is not thought to of too highly inside and here's kind of why so a lot of the criticism came from uh pushing windows 10 too hard the aggressive updates um and and the one billion figure that terry and crew are an obsessive path to get to one billion windows 10 machines and a lot of internal employees are saying hey you know, you're tarnishing the windows brand by doing this and you're angering a lot of competitor a lot of clients and consumers by putting this upgrade notification and heck Microsoft got sued over it. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
And so it's really kind of just fun to poke around and read about what Microsoft employees are willing to tell other Microsoft employees when they think that, you know, that they're in a completely isolated environment. And you can't tell who it is and whatnot. It's, I mean, it's anonymous. But it's really interesting. And, and you have to have a Microsoft address so you know it's pretty authentic coming from the company. But yeah, so not a lot of people are very happy with Terry internally. And I don't know how far up the org chain that goes. You don't really know who these employees are or how far they go. But yeah, it's a work uh, workplace feedback mechanism that's anonymous and it's really interesting. So if you work for a large company, I'm sure you could sign up for this and see what's going on inside your own company. It seems to be pretty well used across the internet, uh, you know, after digging around. So that's kind of fun, kind of fun, kind of interesting just to see what's going on. Um, not that I think Terry's going to get fired or anything. I think uh, I think Windows 10 has been doing well. I mean, they hit 350 million. So it's not like it's it's not a Windows 8, right? It's not like it came out and just thud on the ground type scenario. So that's blind, B-L-I-N-D. And if you come across anything, you know, shoot me an email, brad at uh, petri.com. Or just, to be honest, it's probably easier on Twitter. Just send me a DM. They're all open. Real curious to see what you guys can find uh, if you can get there. So another thing to think about here is Microsoft is at 350 million installs of Windows 10. So they announced that, what, a couple days ago? And obviously their public figure is 1 billion. So the, the question is here is can they get to 1 billion Windows 10 installs? So they're at 350 million now, a month before July 29th. So you know, give them, let's give them credit and say they get to another 25 million this month. Let's just say 375 or even let's just say 400. Let's say 400. Give them a nice 50 million uh, jump. So if we look at the math, and I need to do a deeper, deeper dive into this, which means there are 400 now, roughly, roughly 225 million uh, Windows 10 PCs will come off the manufacturing line per year for the next two years. That's a pretty rough number, but if you look at the Gartner figures, it's that, that's about what they're predicting. So that's 450. So that what that gets us to 850. So they're 150 million short by the three-year timeline. So where are this figure is going to come? Well. We all know that they're not going to come from this. They're not going to come from Windows Phone. Uh, we'll get some from the Xbox world, but not not 150 million. Definitely not. I'm, well, don't get me wrong. Microsoft would be ecstatic if they sold 150 million Xbox Ones. So where are these figures going to come from? Or where are these machines going to come from, I think is the better question. And so the only logical place that it exists, it's not going to come from upgrades. Because remember, after July 29th, your Windows 10 upgrade is no longer free. So the only place that this can happen is the enterprise. And now, don't get me wrong, it's it's certainly possible because when an enterprise flicks the switch to go to Windows 10, it's going to be 100,000 machines at a time. It's going to be 60,000 machines at a time for these really large companies. So it's plausible that they can get there. And if you do the basic math, I think it's Business Insider is like, hey, they're on track to hit it. But all they looked at was uh, 1 billion divided by 3, so 333 million. And they're like, oh, we're ahead of that. We're on track. Well, mm, yeah. So, I don't know. It's Business Insider. But, um, so it's got to come from the enterprise. That's the only place that potentially has that sort of volume that's not an upgrade. Because upgrades are going to slow down. They have to. And speaking of upgrades, Microsoft got sued over that process. I'm sure everybody saw this. And I want to give a shout out to Matt Day at uh, the Seattle Times friend. And he did an excellent write-up, um, got interviews and did everything else. 
and it's a good post. You should go talk. You should go read it. Uh, Ten thousand dollar suit, which to Microsoft is no money at all, right? Ten thousand dollars is probably like thirty seconds of revenue, and so they they just settled the case. I imagine for a number of reasons that one they don't want to get keep getting sued and sued and sued over this stuff, and so immediately after this suit came out, Microsoft said, "Hey, we're going to reel back uh, the aggressiveness over the Windows 10 upgrade prompt," and so. They didn't really roll it back too much. They made it less annoying. But here's the thing. Microsoft is like, okay, we're listening to feedback. That's that's their stance. But are they really are they really listening to feedback? Think about this. That upgrade prompt has been there 11 months. 11. You know, 11 months. And 30 days, 30 days before the free upgrade offer expires. They're like, okay, okay, we'll make it less annoying. Um, really, like, guys, you're not listening to feedback. If you did, messaging everywhere would still exist, and Skype wouldn't be such a dumpster fire. So they do give, they, they take ideas that are easy to implement sometimes and say, hey, we're listening, right? And it's like things that were probably on their roadmap, but this malware, as some people call it, a virus that other people called, um, you know, they weren't, it annoys me, that, that whole process, because I think, I think I agree that internally that, you know, it's become a joke. We've all seen the meme, right? It's like a, a random picture, and then here's like that Windows 10 upgrade prompt, and somebody screaming. Um, we've all seen the meme. I've created a couple of pictures because it's hilarious because it's so aggressive. It's so aggressive. Which, speaking of aggressive, people are going to lose their minds if Microsoft implements what I was told internally. So, this will be a total cluster if this happens. Microsoft is in testing internally with Windows 10. Um, more ads, essentially. So if you have the, uh, the the store pinned to your desktop, Microsoft is toying around right now with the idea of having it pop up with an app suggestion. You know the little windows that Microsoft can pop up from the taskbar uh, to alert you of things? So they are testing this internally, and I've heard extremely strong feedback from a number of people who have seen this, saying it is the most god-awful thing in the world. And... If they push this out, um, man, that's like, I can't believe they would actually pop something up on the desktop. I mean, you know what's going to happen is people are going to build ad block for the desktop. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, that's, I don't mind things that are showing up in the start menu when you do a clean install. I mean, I got, came to terms with that, but if I have to unpin the start uh, the store from the taskbar because Microsoft is injecting little pop-ups and say, hey, why don't you check out this app? Um, yeah. Now, taking that sentiment aside, I totally get why they're doing this. So I, I continue to hear that Microsoft has an app store problem. And it's not that there aren't apps, actually. I'll get to that in a second. But it's that people go in and then they don't download anything. They look around and they're like, eh, why would I do this? Like, it's... Um, you know, whatever. They, they don't find what they need, they don't find what they're looking for, or there's just not an app that they really want. But the reason why Microsoft wants everybody in the App Store, for obvious reasons, is they make money every time uh, somebody buys an app, is that they need desperately, they desperately need that UWP apps overtake .exe apps. They need this. Why? Because if people start building for UWP apps, then it solves the, it solves the long-term phone problem. Um, I know it's not perfect, but it, it is a huge 
monumental step towards solving the mobile issue for them. And it makes those apps work on Xbox. It makes them work on everything. And it's why Windows RT failed. I mean, there's a number of other reasons why Windows RT failed. But if Microsoft, think about this, if Microsoft gets all the major players into the UWP store and they would work on a Windows RT type device, that the problem is solved. So they are being super aggressive that showing the Windows store is the future and they want everyone in there and they want everybody to do this and they don't want to deal with the legacy issues of .exe files and they're moving to this modern framework and they'll do anything they can to get you there. So that's why they're being so aggressive. Now to be asinine about it is another thing. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm mixed on this about whether or not it's too aggressive. It probably is. And it's going to be, you know, I can already see there's certain authors out there who every time Microsoft screws up, um, you know, chants the death to Microsoft flag or carries the death to Microsoft flag. But, oh boy, this will be an interesting one to see if this comes out. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens before launch. I don't know. Um, I haven't heard anything more about placeholders. I asked about cloud files. Um, from a couple of different people and they say, hey, they're still there, still being developed, but I haven't heard about when they're going to go live. So somebody keeps asking me about that, but yeah. So let's keep moving on. Oh, apps, by the way, apps. I bought an app last week. Yeah, which is, which to be honest is the first app maybe I've ever bought, ever bought. So, and what was it? It was actually to control all these Philips Hue lightings. Um, an individual made an app called, what is it called? It's called Hue for Hetero or something. Hue for Hue or something. Uh, what's it called? Oh, Huerto. H-U-E-T-R-O. And so it's a great app. And what it allows you to do is to, as the name suggests, control your Philips Hue lighting. And there was an unlock for it. And he was very cool. He did not put ads and did not do a bunch of junk. He just really locked one very tiny feature that I don't even think I'll use, but it was two bucks. And I'd very much believe supporting the, the smaller developer. So I paid the two bucks for the app. Yeah, it was great. So I bought an app from the app store. It, it is coming together. Oh, so here's a here's kind of an honest, weird question. So what happens if you try to upgrade your Windows 10 machine on July 30th, which is my birthday, by the way? Um, I'm, I'm interested because Microsoft isn't launching the anniversary update until August 2nd. And so I wonder if, even though they say, hey, the free update ends July 29th, if it really ends when the anniversary update goes out. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And I'm not really going to try to toy with that because I don't want to pay the money for Windows 10. But yeah, um, other things that went on. So Microsoft did a Surface tour this week. It was actually with uh, Ben Rudolph and Sam, uh, Sam Sabri, uh, good friend, both good friends, actually. And so they went on a Surface tour in the Surface Lab. And it was actually really good. I, I highly recommend you go back and watch it. It's You get to hear Panos and a couple of his uh, staff really talk about the process of designing um, Surface hardware. But one of the things that the internet freaked out about, myself included, was that Panos showed off a white band. It was a white band. And so everyone's like, oh my god, this is band 3. That's what it is. It really is. And so I don't think it is. Um, talking with a couple people, really looking at the images, what I think it is, and I'm pretty sure of this, is Microsoft tends to make white versions of products for employees. And so I'm pretty sure that was just an employee-only band 2. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Remember, they had the white Xbox One. They've done this before where they have employee-only products. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love a white band, too. I mean, 
these things are great, but I I don't know. It's because I can't have it. I want one. I think that white band looked amazing. And maybe maybe the next version, if they do a band three, will be white. But um, speaking of the band two, a number of you at the meetup were happy to show off how your devices have broken your band two. Which there's a rumor out there that a band 2.5 is coming. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And really the biggest difference is that the band material is twice as thick or something to that nature to keep the devices from falling apart. So we will see if that band too. Now we're going to go on a crazy rumor here from DigiTimes. And so I generally don't ever talk about DigiTimes, but DigiTimes reported this week um, two things. One which we know was correct. They said the Surface Book or Surface Band 2, or Surface Band, Surface Book 2 is delayed until uh, spring of 2017. I've been saying that for a while. That's that's not new, but they're reporting it via their own sources or whatever. What they reported that's very interesting is a Surface All-in-One is being developed. And so just think iMac, but Surface. And so Microsoft may or may not, I don't know. I, I, I do not know. This is the first time I've heard of this may or may not be building a Mac-like competitor, an iMac-like competitor. And so you got to think about what Surface is, right? Surface, from the get-go, I mean, this is the Pro 4 here, but these original devices, like the Surface, was the entire point of them was to redefine a category, right? They came out with this. They're almost like reference devices to some point where Microsoft comes out and says, hey, look, this is what's possible in the space now. And so they build these great devices and look, like Huawei just launched one. Everybody has one um, right now. HP, Dell, they all have devices like this. And so Microsoft kind of achieved its point, but it's already, what, on its fourth generation of this stuff? And so you look at what a Surface all-in-one should be. And so the carry the Surface moniker, at least in my opinion, it has to be kind of a category-defining product. And so what could they put in a Surface all-in-one that would make it really stand out? Obviously, it's going to have touch. Um, I would think some sort of pen input. I don't know if the screen would rotate down so you could actually just have like a giant canvas, but that's not entirely new. Lenovo has something like that. And so it's, what could Microsoft build that's a Surface all-in-one that would, you know, be worthy of a device? So it's interesting to think about. Obviously, PC makers are going to be pissed about this because it's like, oh God, now we got another competitor. But from Microsoft's standpoint, it's like, why would Microsoft enter the PC market if it's declining? Well, think about Microsoft for a second here. If Microsoft builds a Surface all-in-one and sells 150,000 of them, that's 150,000 they never sold before. So they potentially could enter the PC market and do okay. I mean, if they're truly trying to follow that Apple um, mindset of building out all these different products... It makes sense. They don't have a desktop. I actually really wanted them to build a Surface monitor. Uh, that's really what I wanted was a, a third party or a monitor that connected to like the Surface Book or Pro 4 and that had touchscreen and all that good stuff. So we will see. They're saying this is going to be a fall launch, which Microsoft has historically had a October event. And I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll be curious if you guys have heard anything more about this or whether they should or should not build this type of thing but only time will tell we'll see what comes around this fall but a surface all-in-one from microsoft so clearly it would probably have a skylake chip um it would be interesting i mean if they make it out of metal and they do all their fancy stuff i don't know maybe it'll be a great machine i don't know that's uh yeah who knows but surface all-in-one it's kind of crazy 
Moving on here. So I got a tip from a reader about the Surface 3. So Surface 3 last week, we talked about uh, how Microsoft has said, hey, they're winding down production and it'll, they'll completely stop by December. And so another uh, source, uh, it's a tip. It's not from somebody, I mean, I don't know their track record, but they, they sound pretty convincing. But anyways, they said, hey, yes, the Surface 3 is done, but more importantly, that no Surface 4 is on the horizon currently. So there may not be a replacement immediately for the Surface 3. So we'll see. But maybe maybe if Microsoft has a Surface All-in-One event later this year, they could announce a Surface 4, uh, potentially Band 3, maybe some media streamers. That would be a hell of an event. I mean, can you imagine that if they launched a Surface All-in-One, Band 3, and everything else? Gosh, that would be, be a pretty kick-ass holiday lineup. So we'll see. We will see. And because today is July 1st, we can look at the net applications, uh, what is it, net applications market share. And so Windows 10 is now installed on nearly one in five PCs, which is actually a pretty remarkable thing. So last month for the month of May, uh, I guess two months ago, it was at 17.43%. For last month, for the month of June, it jumped to 19.14%. Now that's courtesy of net applications. It is a sampling. But from a, an outsider's perspective, this is about as good as it gets. Microsoft will obviously never tell us what they see internally, but 19.14%, you know, 20% is one in five. So it's nearly one in five. And that's kind of that's that's kind of crazy for one year. Other notable stats is that uh, Windows 7 actually climbed. It's still I think at 49%, but Windows XP is now officially below 10%. But that's still nuts. If you're running Windows XP, and you got to remember these machines are connected to the internet. It's the only way they can be surveyed or you know counted. Um, so roughly a little bit is like 9.78% are connected to the internet. And if you're running into Windows XP connected to the internet, that's like, that's Russian roulette right there at, at your finest. So kind of nuts that that happens, but Windows 10, it's still trudging along. I'll be very curious to see how it goes moving forward with the anniversary update. So we will see. And so guys, that kind of wraps things up here. I just want a couple of reminders or really one on uh, Monday is July 4th in the U.S., so it's going to be a little bit slower. I expect next week, actually, I expect today to be pretty slow. And Microsoft, uh, Donna even said, hey, don't expect too many builds. Uh, they've been pushing builds out like crazy, which is great. Uh, and what we expect, right? It's, we're, man, I really want to put that on my on my daily driver. <laughs> I need to look in. Here's, here's why I don't want to put it on my daily driver is I don't have anything dire of importance between now and August 2nd. But on August 2nd, I'll need to jump out of the insider ring, and I don't want to have any issues. So we will see. We will see. But anyways, uh, next week is July 4th. We are in the run-up to August 2nd. Sometime in the third week of July, I believe, i got to check my roadmap, is when they should do the sign-off for the anniversary update. So somewhere around there. So we're getting really close to these candidate builds. Uh, what used to be called RC builds, release candidate. I don't think Microsoft is going to name that because they don't use, really use RC or RTM anymore. But we should be getting pretty close. And typically when they do a sign-off like that, there is some sort of celebration at the company. So just kind of be on the lookout for that. But next week, July 4th, Monday, will definitely be quieter. I would imagine the week will be a little bit quieter. And, you know, have a good weekend, guys. Three-day weekend. Thanks for watching.